Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly. I think what we have to continue to offer up is anti-retaliation techniques. We cut to the chase about our communities caught in the crosshairs of gun violence, finding the killers, and what is the solution? I think we have to find ways to heal the hurt, because hurt people hurt people. You know what I mean? Then, with the midterm elections behind us, did all the pandering to black America pay off? We go behind the excessive use of misinformation and racism to get people to the polls. The thing that stuck out to me was how most of them were mean as And I'm Kennedy Rue. I go one-on-one with my bestie, Jaden Smith. All of that tonight as the Black News Revolution starts right now. Reparations become a hot topic in the Beltway once again. And Jaden Smith talks hip-hop and fashion. Hey, everyone, I'm Kennedy Rue McCullough. Welcome to the show. And I'm guest host Rochelle Ritchie. We'll get to the remix in a minute with Kennedy. But first, on the heels of Takeoff's untimely death, we examine the cycle of black men and women killed by gun violence. We also have the conversation about the inclination to record video rather than stepping in and helping. How we respond to tragedy is tonight's top story. Blood on the leaves and blood at the root. The lyrics to Billie Holiday's anti-lynching anthem, Strange Fruit, brought life to the imagery of dead black bodies murdered from the horrors of lynchings taking place across the country, especially the Deep South. The images of racial terror would continue for the next several years into the civil rights movement. Brutal images used of black death were made public in hopes of shocking Americans into facing the brutal realities our community faced. Let go of his neck. Can we can we all get along? Can we can we get along? In the 90s, video became a tool to further expose the systemic injustices black Americans have voiced for decades, only to be ignored. I mean the videotape was self Videos do not always result in justice. I tried to sit up, and that's when he grabbed me by the head and tried to slam my head down. And when there is no video... We, the jury, find George Zimmerman not guilty. The thirst to record rose, allowing whatever is captured to be viewed by the masses. I think that some of the things we should be pointing at is individuals that want to film uh, you know, any and everything. There's internet videos of takeoff's body, people uh, screaming in the background. I'm thinking, why are you doing this just for likes and for uh, followers? But what happens when a recording of a horrific tragedy goes viral and hurts people? Such as the unfortunate video of takeoff's lifeless body shared throughout the internet causing an internet firestorm of outrage, pain, and trauma. Why every time something happened to a rapper or an athlete or an entertainer or anybody of color, the first thing you just do is pull your phones out and start recording and post that on the internet. The last image among 
I want to see is they peoples laying on the ground bleeding the out, man. It just be us. It, I be hating this, man. Tonight, Revolt Black News asked the question, is the gun violence overshadowing and traumatizing our communities? And what is the solution? And why is rap music being blamed? We can make more music to bring the balance. You know, I just know we're talented. I'm not saying don't make music about real things that's happening in a real way, because that'd be a bunch of bullshit. And is black pain becoming trauma porn? We've become so desensitized to just everything. And nobody likes to deal with reality no more. Joining us tonight, the mayor of Atlanta, Andre Dickens, hip-hop artist and entrepreneur, T.I. Tip Harris. I want to thank both of you gentlemen for obviously being here in studio with us. Tip, I want to start with you. It's been a really heavy week, mm. you know, for the culture. Yeah. And I think that Takeoff's untimely death is really the embodiment of what black people are experiencing across the country. And we see gun violence continue to be a major issue. We say this almost every single year. Mm. Why do you think that our people just can't put the guns down? Um, well, I mean, I think that it, it, it becomes cultural and it's instinctive to a certain degree. Uh, but I think you have to question the emotional intelligence of the person who has the gun in their hand. But I think that a lack of opportunities in our areas is what caused so much gun violence. So it's like survival of the fittest. That's when the violence comes. You know, people begin to get envious. People begin to get, you know, just feel like they're entitled to a piece of that success because they came from an area so close. This is, seems like it's a problem that we just can't legislate or elect our way out of. So what are the other solutions besides the political ones that always seem to be brought to the black community when it comes to gun violence? Yeah, I mean, when you think about this issue, you know, Takeoff uh, died as an innocent bystander in a shootout. Um, and so, you know, heart goes out to him, heart goes out to all his fans, his family, and everybody. And so government has a role, but government isn't a solution to everything in the community. What we're lacking is um, a true ecosystem where everybody's putting their hands in, uh, from clergy to business to government to self-actualization of the people themselves, as well as the educational institutions, the school system. When we all work together, it is important to vote, but it's also important to let your voice be heard in the community and for these young people to see that there's an opportunity for them to thrive and that they have other ways to win and not just necessarily about toting a gun or doing something illegal. So I got to push on that a little bit because, again, that really does sound like the same things that we hear. We need more jobs. We need more economic opportunity. And the opportunities, if you look at Atlanta in particular, like, we are the mecca of black excellence, really, you know? And there is this migration of black people coming into Atlanta, and they're doing this work, and the violence is still winning. So what is happening in these communities that is not related to business, not related to the government, that you think is causing this sort of gun violence that is not being addressed in the right way. Violence is not winning. Violence is definitely um, 
unnecessary and it definitely has a louder voice at times than the uh, everybody that's just going to work, going to school, going home. There's a tremendous amount of family members that are being able to, you know, have a great afternoon, great day, great life. But we do have uh, a, a nexus between violence and poverty and, 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 and the inability to solve conflicts. We are not preaching the gospel of de-escalation, of conflict resolution. Yeah, that de-escalation and, and learning how to solve conflict is so important. You know, Tip, you yourself have been impacted by gun violence. Certainly. It's something that I began experiencing as early as when I was four or five years old. Mm -hmm. um, there was a, a very close friend to the family, like an uncle to me, that was, you know, kidnapped and murdered over off Hollywood Road. So, I mean, look, th those, are, those are things we just kind of grew up understanding this is a part of life. From where I come from, it just has been a part of life that we have kind of endured, overcame, mm -hmm. In spite of, you know, when I hear stories like like yours, like I'm from I'm from Chicago, the South Side of Chicago, and I think about my own family members that have been caught up in gun violence and the trauma that a lot of the men in my family have dealt with, but they haven't they haven't really dealt with it mm. on a healing perspective. And so when you talk about hurt people, hurt people, do you think that part of it is because the five year old TIs that are you know, learning about somebody in their family that was murdered or even witnessed it mm -hmm. are not being helped. For one, counseling and therapy works wonders for all problems, for all people. Um, it's always been kind of taboo in our communities. Uh, people always thought that it made you crazy to go to therapy, which is totally untrue. Um, but I also think hip-hop is a form of healing because expression, getting it out, having somewhere to release whatever those frustrations are. That's why the music sometimes seems so hostile. That's why it seems so aggressive because it comes from an aggressive place, from a place of hurt and a place of pain. Mayor Dickens, I want to get your, your thoughts on that too because you're obviously from the same community, but I do think that even if you have not experienced gun violence directly, there's sort of this vicarious trauma that we as black people see from seeing our own people being gunned down in the streets. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I grew up with violence around me as well. Uh, one of my best friends died when we were, you know, just about to uh, get out of high school. And uh, he was uh, killed in a drug deal. And I knew he... Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. He was, uh, you know, selling drugs. He was a community guy in our neighborhood. And so, yeah, we, I think we have PTSD from those things. But for me, it helps me to discern. It helps me to be able to make quality decisions. I think what we have to continue to offer up is anti-retaliation techniques, um, techniques about, like I said, how to de-escalate, you know, have anti-violence in our culture, in our conversations. Um, people think it's soft and silly if you say you meditate, you pray, you breathe through things, you try to, you know, take a, take a pause, take a, you know, to, 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 to take a little break. I know how to protect my family, take care of myself, but also take care of myself mentally and spiritually so that, you know, when problems do arise, I'm not shooting up a gas station because somebody pulled into the pump in front of me. Well, Tip, Mayor Dickens, I want to thank you all so much for joining us here in studio at Revolt. It's been a really great, great conversation. Stay with us. There's more Revolt Black News Weekly right after the break. Welcome back. 
We are just coming out of the all-important midterm elections. And tonight, we're examining how political ads that use misinformation and racism could be helpful or harmful to getting people to the polls. Like, I watched TV for 10 minutes last night, and I saw 30 minutes worth of ads. <laughs> and the thing, that's, the thing that stuck out to me was how most of them were mean as shit. I think it's because they only drive out polarization and hate. That's what they do, right? Katie Hobbs organized a mock slave auction. Katie Hobbs, guilty of racism. No one is safe with liberal Amelia Sykes. When did racism against white people become okay? Ahead of the 2022 midterm elections, candidates on both sides of the aisle used race as a strategy to push people to the polls. The pain of our past persists to this day. I have become the first black Kentuckian to receive the Democratic nomination for U.S. Senate. Race as political ammunition has evolved over the years, but it isn't a new strategy. You needed that job, and you were the best qualified, but they had to give it to a minority because of a racial quota. Is that really fair? Tonight, Revolt Black News Weekly explores what impact race baiting has on elections. Are you a racist? Do you hate Mexicans? The media calls us racist for wanting to build Trump's wall. They censor us, but it doesn't change the truth. Joining me for a debate about the importance of messaging in political ads and the landscape for black voters in the 2022 midterm elections are Democratic political strategist Dante Carter, who is joining us here in studio, and Darius Mayfield, Republican congressional candidate for New Jersey. Dante, I want to start with you. We've seen a number of political ads denouncing anti-white racism, and they're really surprising to see because they're very volatile in the way that they are talking about white people being discriminated against uh, in 2022. Do you think that these ads have gone a little too far? Yeah, they've gone way too far. We're talking about people who've been in power for over 400 years, where things have gone their way for over 400 years, and the fact that they're getting just a little bit of pushback. Like, right, just a little bit. We got to be real about that. It's not like they're getting a ton of pushback. It's just a little bit. And um, they're going way too far. This is, this is after the civil rights movement, right? But there is still a civil fight that's going on. It's been going on for the last 60, 70 years. And we got to be real about this conversation. And so um, I think there are a lot of people who are um, finding themselves in a very difficult position. But the reality is, is there has never been a middle. There's always been, you're either on one side or the other. And that's what we're seeing. That's why 90% of black people vote Democrat and 10% vote Republican, right? Because overwhelmingly, it's like, look, we're either going to be for our people or we're not, and that's just where we are. You know, Darius, what is your response to what Dante is, is saying? Because obviously you're running as a Republican, and the ads that at least are playing here in Georgia, and I'm assuming across the country as well, have been uh, sort of race baiting. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I actually agree with Dante in a lot of uh, sense, and we need to be real about the conversation. And parting being real starts with understanding where some of these things are coming from. And I know it's a big story out here in New Jersey recently where uh, ads started popping up and lawn start signs started popping up with a little bit of that approach. But we found out it was coming from Democratic organizations, not the Republicans out here um, in certain instances. So we definitely have to be real about that. I also agree that people are not very happy about these things. I think people are starting to tune these things 
things out because of all the craziness that's happened. And when we talk about, you know, black and white voters right now, you understand that Joe Biden's African-American support is down to 60 percent. His Hispanic support is down to 19 percent and his unaffiliated support is down to 34 percent. So people are starting to tune these things out, get to the information themselves, actually going out there and meeting their candidates, which is a great thing in this country. Darius, I, I want to come back to you. I see you laughing. What are you laughing about? You know, there was only one party that stormed the Capitol. The numbers that are down aren't running to the Republican Party. In Georgia, 95% of people are registered to vote, right? 95% aren't actually voting, right? So it's not a registration issue. There's a resignation. And so we, we can talk as though the Republican Party is doing all this, but they're not. What we're asking right now is to do what you say you're going to do. And I, I think that we've really got to put pressure on our political leaders to do what they say they're going to do. The reality is, is when it comes to black people, Neither party has overwhelmingly stepped up to do something that's benefited us. It's taken executive action from the top leadership. And so if we're going to talk about these issues. We've got to talk about putting that pressure on whomever is in office to make sure that we're getting things done for our community. But black people do overwhelmingly typically vote Democrat. And we cannot ignore the fact that black people are starting to lean a little bit more to the Republican Party. You know, Darius, I'm sure you're probably seeing that as well. But I think on both sides, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, there's so much centered around race. When are these candidates going to start focusing on the issues that we care about and ensure that the people that are putting out these political ads focus on the issue? Because I think that black people and white people may be a little bit tired of the race baiting that we're seeing for our vote. I agree a thousand percent. That's why my model for my campaign, my tagline is not black, not white American. It's interesting that he brought up the uh, the whole Georgia case because this is one of the things people are sick of. Over the last two or three years, we heard that the election law that Governor Kemp passed was uh, Jim Crow 2.0. Now we know that not only in the primary, but also in the general election, we've had historic numbers of black people actually able to vote in those elections. And people are taking notice to that. I walked through every single neighborhood in Trenton, New Jersey and knocked on as many doors as I possibly could over 5,000. I got to tell you this, of all those people that I talked to, maybe a handful of them said they were going to be voting Democrat this year because they are tired of people coming in there, promising them the, more, the world. And then when their terms end, you see things are worse. 90%, over 90% of the kids in Trenton, New Jersey can't read or write at a grade level. That's disgusting and disastrous. And people understand so these things. Dante, like let me bring Dante back into the conversation. When you hear that from Darius, your response. I hear a man is disconnected. It almost sounds like I'm not black, I'm OJ, right? That's that's what I'm hearing. Oh. And and so <laughs> the reality is is when he brings up Georgia, it, it's not is SB202 bad law? Yeah, it is bad law. Mm -hmm. I was one of the organizers that put on a 33 uh, 33-day protest in front of the state capitol that came for Kemp about that. We were able to water it down, but we weren't able to stop it. Now, the, the issue isn't, did this make it easier for vote? No, organizers like myself were able to out-organize that law. That's why we have historic numbers in this state. And so, you know, I, I get a little, you know, sensitive when I have people that are not right. from Georgia talking about Georgia. Well, there's no talk, need to get sensitive either. Hold, uh, let me finish, brother. But we do this whole discussion about Democrats <laughs> being soft on crime, but who is the party that's overwhelmingly in power? In Georgia, it's Republicans. So if anybody is soft on crime in Georgia, it's the Republicans. So, Darius, I do want to wrap this up with you. 2024 elections coming around. How do we ensure that these political ads do not do what we're seeing happen on both sides? 
Well, we make sure voters are informed and they vote the right people in in the primaries. I come from very humble beginnings, uh, a single mother born on welfare, born on Section 8, also living in the suburbs. So I understand both sides of the track. And just so he knows and understands, just so you know, my mother lives in Georgia. My sister lives in Georgia. All my aunts and uncles live in Georgia. I spend a lot of time in Georgia, so I'm very familiar with Georgia. All right, Dante Darius, thank you so much for this debate. Now let's move on to the headlines beyond our borders as we go black all over the world. Wakanda forever as we land in Lagos, Nigeria, where the crew from the Black Panther sequel, co-director Ryan Coogler, Letitia Wright, Lupita Nyong'o, set their sights on the African diaspora for a groundbreaking premiere. Now doing the Africa premiere in Nigeria, the home of creativity, the home of Nollywood, the home of music. This has become the cultural capital of the black race. This is the first time a Marvel movie has rolled out the red carpet on the continent, giving a nod to the storyline and characters, which pays homage to the motherland's rich heritage through the fictional land of Wakanda. It's important, obviously, because Wakanda is inspired by Africa. Um, we are inspired by every country in the continent um, of Africa. So. It feels right to bring it home to the people. While this was a celebratory moment for the cast and crew, the franchise also shined a global... Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Light on the film industry. We definitely were, were pulling from the continent in terms of what kind of culture that we portrayed in the first film. We went even deeper with the second. You can catch Black Panther Wakanda Forever in theaters November 11th. Next, we head to Russia. 266 days and counting, and Brittany Griner remains behind bars. Her wife, Sherelle Griner, emphasized the pain this has caused while speaking at the Glamour Woman of the Year Awards. I know today, deep down in my soul, that BG is a strong human being, but... She's 100% not okay. And there's honestly very little that I can do about it in my own strength. With her latest appeal being denied, the White House confirmed last week a U.S. Embassy official did meet with BG, which was confirmed by U.S. political advisor Ned Price. But concern is now growing for Griner's safety as she has been transferred to a penal colony. We are also getting a sense of what life is like behind Russian bars. Prisoners have usually four, five euros per month, and they work six days a week, eight or 12 hours per day. In response to her detention, a smokeout outside of the Russian embassy in Washington, D.C., was held by the D.C. Marijuana Justice in an effort to free BG. We'll stay on top of those headlines. We'll be right back with more Revolt Black News Weekly. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Kennedy Rue. We're kicking things off with my bestie carving out some time to sit and talk about music and fashion. It's all candid Jaden Smith topping off the latest in the entertainment remix. All right, guys, this is a treat for me. I get to interview my best friend. Just going to show for the record, I have to schedule an interview with this man to even have some FaceTime. 
I'm done. No, no, no. I want everyone to know every time I call Jaden, he always answers the phone. And if he doesn't answer, he always calls me back in a timely manner. I love you, Kennedy. I love you. I love you more. So let's jump right in. I mean, you've made a name for yourself on the big screen in music too, but now you're making waves in the fashion industry. Talk to me about where your love for fashion came from and your adventurous sense of style. I think that, you know, ever since we were younger that I always wanted to experiment with fashion and like wearing different things. I want hoodies that have a message of something that really matters. That's talking about something in history that's mm -hmm. important that affects my life today. Yeah. You know, and that's why I do it. And so Misfits is here for the free thinkers, for the people who think differently, who don't fit in, who don't get along with everybody, but have a way of looking at the world that's different. Jaden has always confidently moved to the beat of his own drum. Actor, rapper, and fashion designer just hosted the Atlanta Arts Festival over Halloween weekend and recently landed in the headlines. Jaden walked out of Kanye's fashion show last month after the designer sported a White Lives Matter sweatshirt. What I so admire about you is that you don't just talk the talk, you actually walk the walk. During Fashion Week, you took a stand and walked out of Kanye's show. Why was it so important for you to make a personal statement? You know, like I said, you know, if there's something that I can't stand by, then I just, I can't stand by it. And once again, I'm not just gonna stand somewhere that I don't feel like is representing the culture that I'm a part of. It's just, you know, any anywhere that I am, anything that's happening, if there's something I feel like it doesn't sit well with me or the culture that I'm representing, can't be a part of it. Yeah. It's just that simple. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Diggy. Kennedy, I freaking love you. I'm always here for you. I love you. I love you more. Can't afford medicine. She's got blood clots. What if I told you that I could help you? Tyrese, prison bound. The Fast and Furious star is a former Marine going undercover behind bars in the system. The film, in theaters now, shot in a real-life Southern prison that shook Tyrese to his core. She can get back to that little girl. We shot the film inside of an active prison with real inmates. Mm. And so, it was in Mississippi. It was a real reminder that this is what's going on every day. And it's painful, you know, to see and witness and experience the way the prison smelled, the, the kind of dark, suppressive, depressive energy that was in there. It took me at least three months to kind of decompress from feeling stuck and, and vulnerable inside of that prison in Mississippi. You're inside the system now, soldier. I could have filmed this in a prison in LA, but when you're in jail as a black man in Mississippi, where it's as racist as it is, it was a different kind of feeling, a different type of heartless feeling. It was, it was very uncomfortable to do this movie. Rapper Trinidad James salutes 10 years since his breakthrough hit, All Gold Everything. 
Revolt Black News was with the MC in Atlanta as he celebrated the iconic song's impact. I'm just a prophet. Like, I'm just, I'm doing the Lord's work. Like, I'll go everything. If you really just sit and read it, it's nothing but a spiritual hymn. I'm just telling you what's going on in the culture 10 years ago. You woke up this morning, yawning, your phone is... And New Music Friday has a Nelly collab with country star Chris Lane on Baby Girl. Your closet, vote is her occasion, you gonna look amazing tonight. And Better Things is the new Sierra single featuring Summer Walker and rapper Glorilla. I'm going, it's getting fat, soaking up the game that the OG's blessed. Let's mix things up a bit and focus on the cases that caught our attention this week as we explore who's in the system. First up, we head to the nation's capital for a look at Tariq Nasheed's rally for reparations that took place over the weekend. A hot button issue in and out of the courtroom. Black leaders gathered on the Washington Mall to discuss all things reparations to foundational black Americans or FBAs. Based on government sanctioned slavery, ancestry, and lineage, many FBAs believe a serious debt is owed as the fight continues. Our next case takes us to Iowa, where Piper Lewis, a teenager jailed after killing the man who sold her for sex, is back in custody after escaping from work release. Lewis was able to escape from the Fresh Star facility, triggering an alarm and waking the on-site residential officer. Lewis reportedly cut off her GPS tracker. A warrant was taken out for her arrest. Last on our legal docket, before being fatally stabbed by his OnlyFans model girlfriend, Courtney Clenny, Christian Toby Ambuselli recorded her raging outbursts. The phone recordings reveal a series of disturbing arguments that included racial slurs and domestic violence. So shut up and let me f***ing slap you dumbass! Oh, you're not gonna slap me on Give me my phone! You have your phone. I don't have it anymore. Find it and f***ing charge it. Wait, I'm sorry, Courtney. I don't care. Find it and charge okay, it. Okay, just stop. Don't touch me. Oh, man. Yeah, man. Oh, man. The audio is now being used as evidence against Clinny, who remains behind bars, jailed on a second-degree murder charge. We'll keep track of those cases. Stay with us. There's more Revolt Black News Weekly when we return. But first, InvestFest crosses the pond. UK, what's up? You can put your money together and buy back what you feel is being lost to you. The sold-out event in London dominated Royal Albert Hall for a conversation about financial literacy and adding knowledge for the culture on a global scale. I'm focused on trying to help people um, do what I've done and realize that you can come from nothing and be a star. We can, we're all capable of it. Welcome to Atlanta, the crown jewel of the South. Atlanta is considered an economic powerhouse, full of promise and opportunity, but many of its residents struggle to make ends meet. There are more than 6 million people calling Atlanta home. It is a diverse city with diverse needs. 
More than 22% of Atlantans are living below the poverty line and experiencing food insecurity. State Farm and the Atlanta Hawks have joined forces for the Million Meal Pack to fight hunger by providing one million meals to the Atlanta community in just one day. I'm here at State Farm. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Our marina, home of the Atlanta Hawks, where thousands of volunteers have come together to pack and distribute food boxes. I'll sit down with Atlanta Hawks VP of Corporate Social Responsibility, Andrea Carter, State Farm Executive, Dwayne Griffin, and Christina Granville, aka Miss Basketball, to talk about the importance of giving back to the community. Andrea, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Revolt. So tell us a little bit about what your responsibilities are with the Atlanta Hawks, and then we'll get into the Million Meal Pack. My title, Vice President of Corporate Social Responsibility, is just a fancy way of saying doing good things in the community. <laughs> um, and so that is really what my charge is, to see how can we give back to the city where our fans live, work, and play in very meaningful ways. Today we're here fighting food insecurity, right? And so that's one of the gaps that we recognize that is an issue in Atlanta. And for those who may have never heard of the Million Meal Pack, tell us exactly what that is and what it includes. Yeah, so the Million Meal Pack um, is an event we do in partnership with State Farm to help fight food insecurity right here in the city of Atlanta. So we know one in nine people go hungry in the city. Many of those are children. And so we today are gonna pack a million meals that will stay right here locally, to going to different nonprofits that are fighting food insecurity. Tell us what's in the box. It is jambalaya. And so each of those packs actually fe feeds six people. So today the folks are packing all those ingredients from the rice to the seasonings to the, to the lentils and then putting those in packaging. Um, it stays, it's shelf stable, so they can have it for a year to 18 months. And so all day, starting about 11.30, nonprofits are starting to make rotations to come here to actually pick up the food as it's being packed. And so these meals will go back to area nonprofits, then redistribute into the community. How important is it, the work that you all are doing in partnership with State Farms? It's critically important. We feel like that is what we have been put here to do is to serve. So to be able to do that with State Farm where they share our values and our mission in terms of uh, community service. You've been volunteering all your life. Tell us a little bit about that and, and the importance of that to you. Yeah, so I've been volunteering since I was a little girl. Um, that was instilled in me by my mother. So whether it was marching to make Dr. King's uh, birthday a holiday or going to soup kitchens and feeding folks, it really was instilled in me at a, at a young age. And so growing up, I always thought, how can I marry my passion of sports and entertainment along with giving back and so that's really how I ended up in this chair today. Well Andrea, thank you so much for joining us here on Revolt. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much 
for taking the time out from packing all of these boxes right now. What's been your experience today volunteering? What's it been like? How's it been on the floor? How's the energy? All of that. The energy's amazing. So first of all, between the, the host and the DJ, keeping it going, reminding you of what you're targeting for. I did the first shift today, so first out the gate about 116,000. Wow. What was you know unique and special was the camaraderie that just formed within people who I didn't know, just met on the fly, but were here for the same cause. So today is just one of the many initiatives that State Farm has when it comes to helping, helping the community. Tell me a little bit more about State Farm's community outreach. You know, State Farm, we believe in helping build stronger, healthier communities. And in doing that, there are many efforts we kind of engage with, and today's just a great example partnering with Atlanta Hawks. We really believe our efforts and our engagement supports what we're really in the mission of doing, and, and it's really helping people um, recover from the unexpected, but also helping them realize what their dreams are. And that's our, our community building effort engagement. When you look at the research and all the issues, food insecurity really stands out. And when you click into food insecurity, it's really access kind of the food. So this Million Meal Pack is all about those 5,000 volunteers with the degree, cause, and the commitment to the community coming together, volunteering over multiple shifts to make one million meals, to then deliver those meals out to the various access points where those who are in need can get to them. How does that make you feel to know that State Farm is allowing people to give back? You know, it, it makes me feel really good about just being affiliated with State Farm and being affiliated with the Hawks who, who have partnered close to help create this experience. But there's a volunteer experience to that too of the goodness and the, and the, and the goodness that comes out uh, in volunteers coming in. Just hearing them enter, there's a little um, walkway. They kind of enter like the players enter the yeah, basketball court. Did you yeah, see that? They're that. coming yeah. in. And then <laughs> you see the kids that are going with that, how excited they are, because mm -hmm. this is their home. This is where they come to cheer on our teams. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, now they're part of that as a team member to help volunteer. So it's, it's really cool and special. That makes the energy really fly. Yeah. Well, Dwayne, thank you so much for joining us on Revolt. Thank you for having me. Much for joining us, Christina. So tell me, where did the Miss Basketball come from? Oh wow! Well, I've been playing since I was younger. Since uh -huh. I always wanted to be like my big brother. He was a basketball player. And I've been able to use my brand. I started my own nonprofit organization called I Hoop Two Foundation, um, and we we really just service young kids, uh, young adults, um, just trying to give them resources when it comes to basketball. And my brand literally has helped me because I've been able to use all of my partners, all of my resources to do as much as I can. And part of that brand and, and the partnerships that you've made have been with the Atlanta Hawks. How did you make that connection? How did oh, that well, start? First off, you know, I love the Atlanta Hawks. Let me just say what they have done for the city of Atlanta, just how they're just so ingrained into the community. Um, I started with them being a brand ambassador. What do you think this million meal pack will mean for, you know, people that are facing food scarcity in the city of Atlanta? It means a lot. And it will help so many people who li literally, they need it. I know they're gonna be so excited to have this food. I know they're gonna just enjoy it. They're gonna have a good time, but it doesn't stop here. Right. We gotta keep doing the work, not, not just today, day in and day out. And the Atlanta Hawks, that's what they've been doing. A lot of people think when you're giving back, it's about giving money, right. but it's about your time. You can help pack some meals, you know what I'm saying? Or you can go volunteer at a, a local shelter or anywhere and just give back, it's so important. Whatever space you're in, 
you're needed. We need it. The city of Atlanta needed it. So we just got to get connected. We got to reach out and do our part. Miss Basketball Granville, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, and thank you guys so much for having this. This is so amazing because our stories need to be told, right? Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> How does it feel to help people out? That makes them so happy. That makes their feelings feel good. With more than 5,000 volunteers coming out to help serve their community, the Million Meal Pack has been a great success. Thank you, Atlanta, for bringing your A game. Welcome back. Before we get out of here, we wanted to shine a spotlight on a rapper who is paying it forward and helping the community at the same time. Momo's Cafe is one outlet that is doing its part to make sure everyone not only has a place at the table, but also a meal to go along with it. The efforts of this eatery and its founder is what makes our list for Revolutionary of the Week. I don't think that deeply into it. It's just like a... You know, I'm someone who believes in accessibility and necessity. I think it's necessary for everyone to eat every day. And I just like to uh, be the change that I like to see. You know, if I see people who are homeless and need food, I'm gonna find a solution. And for 27-year-old La Russell, the solution is lifting up the culture and the community. His revolutionary mission of providing food from Momo's Cafe in Vallejo, California, is what sparked the idea to help people facing food insecurity. We're doing a priceless brunch uh, from now until the remainder of the year where people get to go in and eat and pay whatever it's worth to them. The people who can't afford to get to eat for free. And um, it's just something we're doing to give back to the hood and to the people who don't get to eat breakfast every day or the people who just don't get to get meals, you know, every day of the week. By the end of the year, Momo's Cafe will turn into Momo's Proud to Pay Cafe. Customers will have the option to pay what they want for their meal, while Russell and his company, called Good Company, will pick up the rest of the tab. We created our own, and we do a lot of cool shit and help a lot of dope artists and help out the community and throw really cool shows and feed people and, you know, just fly around the neighborhood and save where we can La Russell takes the role of being a revolutionary very seriously and has long-term goals to keep helping. I think revolution is about permanence and about true change, things that actually affect people's lives, you know, not feeding them once a day, but allowing them to eat for a grand period of time or allowing them the, the financial ability to pay their bills for a grand amount of time. One of my favorite quotes in life is, he who is willing is who will. Simple as that. The person who wants to do it is the person who's going to do it. The people who don't want to do it will never do it. That is so awesome to see and affect a community all at once. Yeah, that does it for us. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, our YouTube channel, and on our Revolt Black News podcast. Till next time, peace.
Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.